Welcome back to another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And on this week's episode, we've got another solo ep, and we are recapping what went down at Richmond. Uh, spoiler alert, it was a sad day at the end of the day on Sunday, so uh, we'll get into that and feelings, thoughts, everything coming out of Richmond. And then... We're looking ahead to Easter weekend, Easter Sunday, the Bristol Dirt Race. So we're going to talk a little bit about just general thoughts and feelings about the Bristol Dirt Race there, and then get into some picks because we'll want to wipe the slate clean and, and get back into it. We'll do what we can this week, and we're going to discuss you know, the strategy this week heading into an uncertain race after coming off a, a rough weekend. So kind of a combination of things heading into this week. And, and that's the episode. We're going to get into some picks to win outright. Guys that we, you know, are focused on, I guess, heading into the weekend. And then talk about some finishing position bets, head-to-heads, you know, everything there uh, like we normally do. So we'll see. It might be a little bit quicker episode this week than normal. Um, can't guarantee that, but uh, feels like it might be just getting into it. So let's get into the recap of what went down at Richmond, because as I mentioned, it was a very disappointing day and just all around down in the dumps after that race came to an end because things were in very good shape for a long period of time during that race. Like I know we talk about it a lot, especially when we get into like the summer months, like you're watching this race and it's like a hundred laps in. It's like, God, can't this thing just be over already? And I felt that way for a good portion of the race because with the card that we put out there on Instagram, the outrights that we had and the top tens, the head to head matchups, things for a good portion in the first half and, you know, into the stage two, a little bit of stage three, things were going well. Uh, we had a bunch of guys that we had outright. Truex was one of them. We added him um, while we were on the live Twitter show we do, the NASCAR betting preview show, after uh, we found out he's driving the auto owner's scheme and had him 10 to 1. He was looking good. We're going to talk a lot about Truex in just a second, but um, he looked good. We took Christopher Bell 9 to 1 live when he was looking like he was coming through the field. That felt good. And uh, then. Things just really didn't work out. You know, they had the lots of cautions. And I was trying to tell someone who doesn't really watch NASCAR, but they tailed one of the picks that I put out there. And we were texting and um, talking after the race. And, you know, what went wrong? It just kind of felt like more cautions, I guess, than I would have anticipated. And I guess some of the teams had anticipated. And that opened the door for some of this chaos. You know, guys getting out of whack on pit road and, you know, crew chiefs making the wrong calls in some cases and open the door for Hendrick and Kyle Larson, who I was not on at all to steal the show. So good for Hendrick, bad for me and, and the podcast. So uh, we got our tail between our legs a little bit coming out of Richmond, even though a good portion of that race felt really good. It almost felt too good. And uh, that, that one really hurt. So the live bets, Definitely uh, didn't pay off. I, I threw a live bet in in stage three. I didn't put it out there on 
Twitter, but it really hurt. I had Hamlin, um, and that one because he was you know looking really strong, winning a stage, and that one clearly didn't go our way because of pit road and not being able to really recover from that. So a lot of pit road incidents, I guess, to mention there. But Truex looked great, and that was a, a real disappointment. So we had no outright hits because he was our big one that we had ten to one felt like that was going to cash for us. We talked about Logano being someone. He was kind of just like there, never really a threat. We talked about how Blaney was our gambling god pick, tapping me on the shoulder, you know, making me slip on the the Blaney car. And, uh, you know, the guys were razzing me on the Twitter show saying, you know, wouldn't that mean we want to fade Blaney? Well, turns out that is what the NASCAR gods were saying uh, because Blaney had Blaney things happen at Richmond, that is for sure. I mean, it's just like, goddamn, like Murphy's Law or whatever, whatever can go wrong will go wrong for that team at that racetrack. It really is unbelievable. Um, so that didn't really work out. Bets that we did hit just barely. We hit Briscoe over Eric Amarola. So that was good. It was by one spot. And Amarola, you know, Briscoe was good in the beginning of the race and kind of drove up through, but. Uh, Almarola had that matchup in the bag for a good portion. So we kind of got lucky there. We had Truex over Reddick because Reddick, you know, got uh, out of whack there. So that was a, a good hit. Um, we had Blaney over Reddick as well. And Blaney had an even worse day. So that that didn't work out. I mean, these now moving into some of the bad bets. Harvick over Larson. That was one that I felt really, really strong about. And they were battling. If you were following that matchup, they were battling all race. Um, kind of going back and forth. But Larson did have a little bit of a neck up for uh, a good portion towards the end. And then obviously he took control of the race and won the whole damn thing. So that didn't re- work out for us. Um, big shame there. That was the the one bet that my buddy, who doesn't really watch NASCAR, was tailing and uh, felt bad there. Hate when that happens, you know, because I want to get these guys kind of sucked into the, the race and following along. That's not going to do it. Um, the top 10 picks that we had. Talked about Austin Dillon, and my God, what a letdown Austin Dillon was last week. Now, he was a super long shot, and the books had it dead on, I guess. He was plus 260 to finish in the top 10. That was a a big-time nothing burger from the three-car, and this was a racetrack that I was you know, singing his praises. He's good here, but clearly they were off. They were just not into it. Something about, you know, Sunday just didn't jive with them, and, and that was a killer. Priest was somebody that we called out for a top 10, and he was floating around in that area. He was definitely flirting with it, uh, but then he ends up 18th. So uh, tough day there for the top 10s. Now, here's a funny one. Uh, talked about the group bet on Caesars where Corey LaJoy was minus 120 uh, early in the week when I recorded the podcast. On race day, he was actually plus 125, tied with Todd Gillen. And our guy, uh, Skybox NASCAR, he called out this bet on the show on, on Wednesday night. And then, you know, as the, the race got closer, he, he said, you know, the odds are, are shifting here. Uh, should I stick with it? And I said, like, yeah, stick with your gut. I'm with you, you know, and, you know, tailing it. The funny thing was I wrote down on my notebook that I keep with me everywhere and put it out there on Instagram. I had. LaJoy, I had an 8 a.m. tea time on Sunday morning. And so I was up and out super early. It was in Delaware. Um, I live, you know, 
generally close to the Delaware border, border excuse me. But uh, in any case, I realize that Delaware is not a court or state that you can place legal bets. So I'm on 95 with my phone out. Definitely don't recommend this. I know it was being a bad driver, a bad, you know, not sharing the road the right way and uh, throwing some bets in. As I was just getting everything all settled, because I knew I wasn't really going to make it back uh, really before race starting, I needed to get everything squared away. I had some bets in, some bets not, wrote down everything I wanted to do, and threw in the Corey LaJoy bet, or so I thought. Uh, so got a little lucky here. Actually, accidentally threw it in on Todd Gillen, and he ended up winning that bet. So I'm not ever going to take credit for that. That is not who I wanted to take, but uh, got a little lucky there on a day where I needed I needed a little bit of a pick-me-up, and that was funny to log in and, and see the account up more than I thought it would be, and it was because of that. So if I was paying attention uh, to what I was doing, it would be a little bit worse. So got lucky there. So long story, just to tell you a little bit of an accident. Now let's talk about the race itself specifically Martin Truex Jr., because he was somebody that was really um, following and, and happy with everything that we're seeing out of Truex. I thought he was going to break the Clash jinx and get a win before the 10th race of the year. And they looked strong, like really strong. JGR looked very strong. But this situation that happened with him and his crew chief and what went down at the end of that race was very concerning to me as we move forward for the rest of the year. I'm sure they squashed it, but just to recap, they did a strategy where they took an extra set of tires early on in the race, and the race didn't play out the way that they would have thought, right? So they had six-lap scuffs to put on at the end as the caution started to fall. It was more than his crew chief wanted, obviously. They didn't anticipate this, and you know they took a shot and missed, right? They gambled. We can understand that as gamblers. But the thing that I did not like, there was two things. First, when he comes to pit road, they know they have scuffs to put on. He's leading the race. Um, or, or maybe he was like one back or something like that. He is getting scuffs put on. The team knows this. And they almost like as soon as the caution fell, the crew, the crew chief, everybody on pit road, their heads were hanging. Now, my response to that, like looking at that on TV is like, what the fuck? Like, I get it. I know that you're, you know, for all intents and purposes, kind of screwed. But that is not the kind of team that I would want to drive for. Not the kind of team that I would want to play for. Uh, a team that, you know, they see the caution come out and oh that's it oh let's pack it in what i would expect is them to rally and say we're going to get him out first he's on scuffs we know he's on an island and screwed out there but we're going to do our damnedest to hold up our end of the bargain here because you know the gamble failed we're going to do our best instead he loses spots on pit road i think he lost one or two spots that is unacceptable that can't happen and it all started as soon as the caution waved everyone's head was in the their chest so first thing fuck that second we come to find out they didn't even tell truex that he was on scuffs until after the race was over what is that 
what? He said, I didn't think that there was a, a reason to tell you as you're going out. What? Wouldn't the driver be driving a little bit different, trying to defend a little bit more and, and try to get up there? First of all, if you did your fucking job and got him out there first, he would have at least a fighting shot to try to you know block. And if you tell him that he's on scuffs, he can drive defensively. But instead, that whole entire thing was just a complete cluster. Like, I am beside myself with that 19 team. I, I don't know how they could be in you know, looking forward, they're going to have to have like a few meetings because that audio that they played of the crew chief and Truex going back and forth, that isn't healthy. That's like borderline toxic. So uh, I hope they straighten that stuff out. But really, really tough to, you know, look at that team and be like, damn, like that's a that's a team that I really want to bet on. Uh, I need to see them kind of work that stuff out. And I hope that they talk about it a little bit more leading up so we can kind of see that. But Man, was that something. I hadn't seen anything like that in a while. So I just needed to rant on that for just a second. So little Phil's fired up early in the uh, podcast. I typically save the, the end of the pod, a little segment at the end, but we got it out of the way early here. Um, the other thing that kind of killed us was the rain. Uh, part of the strategy that we had on the pod last week was taking some of the longer shots, like Logano, like Blaney, like Kyle Busch, and jump on some of the guys who perform well in practice. And we don't get practice and qualifying. That obviously goes out the window. So kind of like Truex and, and that whole crew, uh, our strategy didn't play out the way we thought it was. So um, tough week. You know, what are we going to do? Left scramble a little bit, but it is what it is. We will move forward. Now, some other things to touch on here. Um, I mentioned the gambling gods, you know, not in our favor. It's fine. You know, hopefully they... Come to us in a different way throughout the season, so we'll we'll give them a pass. I, I don't want to upset the gods, um, but how about Karch Madness coming to an end? Karch Madness, your champion, and he won this outright. Cody Ware gets it done from the sixth seed. Absolute madness for Karch Madness this year. And he was an eight and a half spot underdog. He was he was getting eight and a half spots, and Gregson ran into some some deep shit early, and he was able to win on the track by two spots. So good for Cody Ware. Good for our buddy. I uh, got permission. I can say his name's name's Jim out there. We had a pool situation here and he is our winner taking home the prize money so thank you everyone who reached out to play i know there's a couple guys who reached out and i didn't get their message uh until later for whatever reason thank you instagram but i'm um, so sorry to anyone who didn't get into the pool but how about cody Ware? i mean when we pick names i do not think that uh cody Ware was probably making it making anyone who got him too jazzed up but uh that's the reason why we wanted to do this to see how the spread in a head-to-head matchup would affect things. And clearly, we saw the result. You know, it, if we had that ability, the whole thing was really as an experiment. And if sports books gave us that opportunity to have a spread, we would, in fact, be able to bet on some of these backmarker guys further down, you know, at the bottom of the odds list, and it would make it interesting. So congrats to Cody Ware. I know you're out there. Probably uh, celebrating this. I can only imagine you're celebrating this somewhere. So um, it was a fun little experiment. Thanks to everyone who joined, and thanks to you guys for listening to this and um, seeing how it played out. 
The other thing I'll touch on is the toolhangers.com one and done pool that I'm in. I'm kind of in the bottom half of that league. I took Hamlin in this one. I said, you know what? I'm, I'm going for it. I have been avoiding taking the, the quote unquote big dogs to this point. And Hamlin, you know, listening to his podcast, talking about how, you know, he loves Richmond's part of his like home track area, going to see old friends. He did that last year and ended up winning. I was bought in and it looked like a fantastic move. A couple of the guys in the pool, took that uh, pick as well and then you know we had he had his troubles on pit road and um, it's a shame it's a shame when you go in on one of the big names and it doesn't really pan out the way you'd like uh, but it is what it is so we will regroup and see who we're going with I am gonna call out who I'm taking this week um, in the outright section actually uh, for the toolhangers.com one and done pool so that was the Richmond recap so we have that out of the way we're gonna shake it off. You know, rough week, and we will look ahead to dirt. we got to get the taste out of our mouth, even if that taste is dirt, because that's where we're going with Bristol here. And I'll tell you this, all right, if I'm just being candid, when I see Bristol dirt on the schedule, I, for one, as a gambler, am not excited. Um, I know it's been looming for a while. I've kind of had it in the back of my mind, like when I'm thinking of the the races that are upcoming. I know it's like a wild card track, and I just simply haven't been excited to kind of cap this race, do the research for it, just get into it because I am still kind of one of those people who it's like, if you want to do dirt, great, do it on an actual dirt track. Don't take away one of our Bristol races of the year. Um, I'm still kind of bitter about that. I'm very interested. If you remember last year, they announced that they were coming back to Bristol on dirt before the race was even over. I believe um, they they came out with that like in stage three. And so I'm anxious to see if they do that this year. If they don't, that opens the door to maybe some other schedule changes and whatnot. It would definitely spark some debate and uh, some intrigue. But uh, I just you know, looking at it on the calendar, I'm just like, ah, okay, you know, we'll, we'll give this a shot. So I'll put that aside for a second, because I'll come back to that as we get into some of these uh, gambling conversations here. But rewatching last race, you know, looking at the, the extended highlights and then kind of skimming through the, the full race, I actually do kind of feel like, yeah, this is this isn't bad. You know, it, it's it's a one thing and once a year thing, not really taking it too seriously um it was kind of interesting you know going back to the first one they did that was a complete shit show i mean they couldn't see and they had to go single file restarts and whatever and it almost kind of turned into that last year they had a little bit of rain it just really wasn't working out but the show that they put on was pretty entertaining at the end um so as a fan i think that it's kind of uh fun for fans and it's clearly strategic play from nascar they're not hiding this they're doing it at night on easter they're gonna be like one of the only games in town waiting for after the masters to be over and they're setting themselves up for someone like me to be at you know my in-laws house and and throw it on after easter dinner is over and say you know hey guys like they're on dirt tonight like isn't this kind of cool let's see if anybody else is intriguing like that's going to happen all across america in nascar fans homes so i can see the business strategy of it 
because it's different. It might get some people to you know pay a little bit more attention to it after dinner and see how that works out. But um, overall, though, looking at this, I thought about last year and then the year before. And originally, when they went to Bristol in the dirt, I dug deep into dirt track history, like dirt drivers and their experience on dirt and, you know, how they did in the Chili Bowl and, you know, who who was driving where and what championships they had and where did they finish in this dirt race in the off season and, you know, all of that stuff. And I remember last year feeling like, you know what, that stuff really didn't matter. And it didn't really matter the first year either, because the mentality of it was at the end, I remember thinking like, it just kind of seems like the guys who are generally decent at Bristol, like are kind of good here as well. And actually Denny Hamlin said almost as much. He said, you know, as the track kind of gets a little bit more rubbered up, it does race more like asphalt than anything. So, you know, it's, kind of something to think about i don't think we need to go too far in to somebody's dirt track history um outside of nascar to say like hey this is why i like this guy we know who those usual suspects are we know it's kyle larson we know chris bell we know chase briscoe we're going to talk about both those guys in just a second they they'll all have experience on dirt ricky stenhouse has a little bit of dirt experience we'll talk about him in just a bit austin Dillon has experimented with the dirt a little bit so um, we know the general gist of it, and I don't think you out there listening to this should spend too much time trying to figure out, you know, how they these drivers did in the off season of like, you know, heat three of the Chili Bowl. Like that's just not something that I think is worth your time. Um, so looking at this, I think it's worth trying to call out what we're going to be working off of this year for the stats because. I'm less concerned with that stuff now and more concerned about what we have on paper in NASCAR to work off of. It's a very small sample size, but, you know, it, it is something and we have actual data to work off of. And if you do look at the winners of the two races that we've had here, they are two non-dirt guys, you would say, right? We had Kyle Busch, who was Johnny on the spot last year as we'll we'll talk about that ending in, in just a second um and then joey logano won the first time they ever came here so um that's a another reason why you know it's nice to have dirt experience but we don't have to go like totally all in on the dirt guys here so last year if you remember correctly if you you know haven't looked back at what went down try to jog your memory here because this was a, a fun ending because Tyler Reddick was going for the win. He was leading a bunch of laps towards the end, and Chase Briscoe was chasing him down and went for it. He Full send, took them both out. Um, Reddick recovered and got the top five finish, but uh, Briscoe, I think, really faded. And so we'll talk about him in the outright section in just a second. But uh, Kyle Busch, sitting there, third place, just basically handed a win there and ended up being a really big win for him in his season. Uh, so, yeah, fun ending to that race, but definitely worth looking back on. Now, you know, the the two races that we've seen here, the Bristol people who are the people who are good at Bristol, you know, I, I think there's something to be said about 
them being strong here on the dirt track. You know, long runs. Uh, if you got a driver who just likes Bristol, Bristol in general, then I don't think it's worth shying away from those drivers just because they're on a quote-unquote dirt track. So the track stats this week, I know some people like when I go through these little stats. It's a very quick segment this week. The winner has started on the pole zero times, started in the top five zero times. The winner has started in the top 10 once. That was Joey Logano. He started 10th and outside of the top 20, zero times. Kyle Busch was our other winner, and he started 11th. So Ford and Toyota both were the winners of the two races here. Chevy, actually kind of interesting. They obviously don't have a win in the dirt, but they have one win for a long time. It's Kyle Larson a, a couple years ago in 2021, and then you have to go all the way back to 2017. This is the regular Bristol, you know, asphalt track. Uh, but still, it's kind of interesting that Chevy just hasn't gotten it done at Bristol in a little while. Just in general, overall at Bristol. I, I found that interesting. Now, it's worth mentioning. We talked about where these guys are starting. They will set that field. Qualifying will be done via the heat races, and that'll be on Saturday night, 6 p.m. So that'll be a nice little thing to watch as, uh, you know, you're time one on Saturday night before Easter. So uh, pay attention to that. And it'll be a good opportunity to see who has a, a truck that, you know, has something going. Now, obviously we found out the, the winners don't necessarily have to come from up front, but it is still going to be a, a good opportunity for us to see some data during those heat races. That's for sure. So we don't have a lot of data and that's kind of why we're probably going to overreact to those heat races. Um, so I'm more of a fan of, you know, kind of waiting to see how things go in practice and the heat races, throwing some more live bets down. I know that the, the weather once again, might not pay, be on our side here for this one. So we are going to call out some guys with some, you know, real beef behind it here. Um, just in case we don't get that opportunity, just like with Richmond, right? That was our strategy with Richmond, didn't play out. So I am going to kind of adjust a little bit. But this race, it's a wonky race, all right? So my piece of advice to you before we get into all of this is take it easy, right? I know myself and a lot of people out there didn't do that great at Richmond. This is a race that can absolutely go off the rails and would hate to have like back-to-back -back, like going really hard losing a lot of units on the wonkiness of this race it was chaos last year and and really the year before um so let's not compound the mistakes that we made let's try to talk about drivers and different guys who make sense but try not to go overboard that's the the only piece of advice i'll give you here before we start getting into these these guys now um the different pieces of information that i'm using it's not a lot of info. We've got the driver rating for the two races on dirt, average finish for the two races on dirt. We got our, our guy from Win the Race, Ryan Stevens, put out the true performance ranks, um, especially for the dirt race. He put that out for free. You can see that on his Twitter. And so we have that at our disposal. I'm looking at the 2022 dirt track race, green flag speed. So that'll be something um, to keep our eyes on. And you know, if a guy is just generally good at Bristol, maybe I'll call that out as well. But um, really, and also maybe past dirt races in NASCAR, um, a.k.a. Eldora. I'll throw that in a couple times here as well. 
So that's really what we're getting into, just calling out names that we like, different odds that are sort of intriguing here. But remember, you know, try to dig into some of the live bets because the the cool thing is with the live betting strategy, if that is something that is available to you, pay attention this weekend. If you have that ability to be sitting down, watching the race and take something live, because what we saw from last year, at least various drivers spun out early and recovered pretty easily. Uh, so if you see a spin on a driver that you like, like Kyle Larson, for example, he's going off right now as the favorite at plus 550 across the board. Most sports books have him at that number, maybe even plus 500. Um, but if Larson goes out, spins in stage one, blows a tire, he's going to drop. You might be able to snag Kyle Larson for a really good number, and then he can as we've seen in the past from some of these guys, march through the field. And, and you got yourself a Kyle Larson ticket that's pretty damn good. So that's why in this race specifically, we've seen drivers be able to recover as long as their car is not toast. You know, they blow a tire, whatever, they spin out, spin around. They'll go to pit road, they'll, they'll figure it out, and they'll be hunting everybody down again. So I mentioned Larson is the favorite. Reddick is the odds-on like second favorite across every book as well, plus 750. So uh, those are the two guys up top. Getting into the outrights. Talked about how we're calling out guys with a purpose this week. We're not just taking guys who are like further out. But the first guy that stood out to me, he is plus 900. So 9 to 1 on Barstool as I'm recording right now. And it's Christopher Bell. I was kind of surprised. I thought Bell would be down there in the 7 to 1 category a little bit. And uh, found that pretty interesting. So he's a... Dirt track guy, so check that box, right? <laughs> we know that. They're going to talk about that probably extensively uh, on the, the broadcast and everything like that. And we're all just going to be like, yeah, we get it. He's got a great resume on dirt. Okay, that's perfect. Um, if we want to dig into the trucks at Eldora, he had three starts. And in those three starts, he had one win, two top fives, three top tens for an average finish of 40 I mean, that's some damn good stuff. Obviously, a lifetime ago for Christopher Bell, even though he looks like he's 12, that still was a while back. So when they first came to this track and, and put dirt on it, 2021, it really seemed as if it was going to be the Larson versus Christopher Bell show. And turns out, in that race, they both took each other out. So we didn't get to see that battle in that first race. So his average finish, you know, really isn't going to show up in two races here. But last year, he was very strong. So he kind of rebounded and said, you know what, I, I don't want to get into something like that. I don't want to get into a pissing contest with, you know, one of the other best dirt drivers earlier in the race. Uh, he was strong. He started second. He finished seventh in that race. His driver rating was fourth in that race. And here's a stat that I'm going to throw out there a bunch probably in this episode. But I think it's worth looking at the percentage of how many top, how much they ran in the top 15. And he ran 98% of that race in the top 15. So that's telling you, you know, he was very consistent in a race that is very volatile. Um, so his driver rating combined in the two races is seventh in NASCAR. It's 95.0. And that's the same for his true performance rank as well. Seventh there. Um, he was fifth in green flag speed last year's race. So, you know, all of this 
is decent. I mean, he's a rock solid pick here at nine to one, and he's one of three drivers who had top 10 finishes in both Bristol races last year. So I mentioned how, you know, the guys who are just kind of typically good at Bristol might be able to shine a little bit. Chris Rebell, you know, just laid out dirt experience here a little bit. He had top 10 finishes both times they went to Bristol last year. So it didn't matter if they were on dirt, on asphalt. He was somebody who just got around that track quite well last year. So at 9-1, to one, I thought that was pretty intriguing. You know, he's definitely someone that is worth looking at at that number. The next guy, we talked about him a little bit already. Promised we'd get to him, and, and here we are. Chase Briscoe. He's an interesting one because there are some sports books that have him at plus 650. I believe. And on DraftKings, he was 12 to 1 early on Tuesday. He's down to 10 to 1 right now, plus 1,000. And so that's something that caught my attention, and I took that. Um, went back in my notes last year. I called out Briscoe as uh, someone to throw some money down outright last year as well, and he was 14 to 1. So I think the secret's out a little bit here about Chase Briscoe. He's kind of proven himself. And he's somebody who's been dirt racing since he was 13 years old in Indiana and trucks at Eldoria has the same resume as Chris Rebell, just slightly better, actually. One win and three starts, two top fives, three top tens is average finish. Like I said, slightly better, 3.7 in the trucks at Eldora on dirt. Very, very impressive. He also raced in the truck race at Bristol in 2021, uh, and he finished fifth in that race. He, side note, I believe he is running in the truck race this year as well. So we'll get a little bit more time on that track, get a feel for it. That's going to be interesting when we uh, cap the truck race with Derek this week. If we get a chance to do that on the NASCAR betting preview show podcast for the trucks, uh, he will definitely be a factor there for sure. He was an interesting cat last year because he was a factor through that whole race and he had a flat tire earlier in the race so when i talk about guys being able to recover chase briscoe is the epitome of that he ran into trouble early hit the wall blew a tire and you think oh well you know there he goes and he's back at it he's in the top five like <laughs> almost right away so if you are good enough driver at this track and you've got the confidence and the experience um, your day is not ruined just by spinning out or whatever so chase briscoe someone that you know he showed you can come back like nothing happened really he started fourth and he had the most fastest laps in the race so that's important i think to kind of keep track of because clearly he was getting around the joint pretty quick he led 59 laps that was good enough for third out of everyone who was leading laps and uh he just never went away he showed his skill I think, really, in the 2022 dirt race. So that's something that uh, I thought was impressive. And the ending of the race, he went for it, right? He wrecked, spun himself around, ended up finishing 20th. That sucks, right? But he went for it. So you're going to have a guy who has shown that he's able to drive right through the field. He's got the experience that you need. He's gotten some good odds here at 10 to 1. I can't imagine if he goes out and performs really well in practice in the, the heats, if they do practice, that uh, he will stay at that number. I think people are going to know, like, hey, they're going to put two and two together, say, dirt track guy? Yeah, Briscoe. Okay, bet him blindly here. 
Uh, so that number might not stay there. So Chase Briscoe, without a doubt, someone to watch for. And, um, yeah, keep your eyes peeled for him. Now here's somebody that I want to talk about because a bit of a longer shot, right? So if things get wonky, here's someone that you might be able to throw a little bit of a flyer on. Definitely not a full unit or anything like that, but talking about Daniel Suarez. He's interesting because Barstool has him at 16 to 1, whereas DraftKings has him sitting at 25 to 1. So he hopped on that. I, I took it. Um, and this is very sneaky, a, a sneaky driver here in two races. It's kind of a hot and cold situation for Daniel Suarez because he's, you know, just got to find the right cycle to end the race on because his finishes fourth and 12th in two starts. There's average finishes 8.0. That's good enough for a fourth, pretty consistent. And his driver rating is actually fourth in NASCAR as well. 101.2 combined driver rating, true performance rank fifth. So those numbers that we're talking about, small sample size, we get it. But at 25 to 1, that's somebody who's pretty solid, you know, solid numbers for this value. Then you look at the fact that he led 122 laps in those two races combined. That's second for average laps led, second overall for laps led. And the only person that he's trailing is Martin Truex Jr. He led 126 laps in that 2021 race alone. He didn't lead a single lap in the uh, 2022 race. So that's who, uh, excuse me, that's who Suarez is trailing in that category. But Suarez did it a different way. He led 58 laps last year and 64 laps the year before that. So very sneaky, impressive there to be out front for that long. Fifth in overall average fastest laps in the two races as well. 14.0 fastest laps. That's fifth in the sport. So what we're saying here is, first of all, if you can get him at a a decent clip for top 10 or something like that, because if he's 25 to 1 to win outright, I would imagine that the top 10 number is going to be pretty significant, pretty good for the gambler. And I think that is a, a really good bet. Uh, one to throw a, a unit down on maybe because of what these stats are telling us. I mean, he's top five in the metrics here that we have in front of us. So he's obviously able and capable of getting out there in leading races. It's all about just having the race. It's like a dance. They need the dance and the, the music to play the right way for them to hit it on the nose and to, you know, really see how that's going to shake out. So, The other thing is he showed that he can drive through the field very well. I mean, his best starting position in the two races was 18th, and he gets up front. You know, it's kind of what we're saying about, like, the way the race kind of cycled through. Um, So if he's on the right cycle here, this could be a nice little sneaky flyer here at 25-1. to So uh, Daniel Suarez, that's what I'll say about him. And, uh, yeah, we'll we'll lock those in. So that's going to do it here for the outrights. Christopher Bell plus 900, Briscoe. 10 to 1 and Daniel Suarez plus 2,500. Let's go racing, boys! All right, so the next segment here is the finishing position segment, and I'm realizing as I'm recording right now that I teased a, a shorter episode and I have just been ranting and raving like a lunatic here. Um, so I will try to speed things up here in the finishing position segment, but The reason this one is kind of interesting is because we've had some wonky drivers. Yeah, I'll call them wonky 
finish in the top 10 in both races at the dirt race at Bristol. So I think this point in the week, it's just worth looking at long shots, right? And I'm not telling you to go out and take these guys right this second. I'm just calling out some drivers to pay attention to as the weekend unfolds. And the odds that I'm seeing early in the week right now for top 10 are only on Caesar. So I can't wait for what Barstool is going to drop because historically they've got way better odds for the top 10s. Uh, than any other book. So we'll start with the driver that we talked about earlier, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. He's plus 100 on Caesars. Shop that around, be able to get him in a better number there. He finished second in the first race in 2021, and he was really coming for Logano at the end. I think a lot of people were kind of cheering for Stenhouse there to, you know, get up there and and give it a go. Uh, But that's when he kind of came out of the the woodwork and was like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty damn good on dirt as well. I'm a super speedway guy, but also know how to get dirty here. So uh, in 2022, he got knocked out, you know, pretty early. But the funny thing is he still has a, a really decent driver rating, even with the fact that last year really didn't go his way. He's ninth in driver rating in the two combined races, 89.6. His true performance rank is eighth, and he's got that dirt experience. So, you know, last year could be scaring the books off a little bit, right? little bit of a rough year last year but we're talking about a guy who almost won the damn race the first time and it's kind of flying below the radar here a little bit so this is definitely worth a, a dart to throw at the dartboard um just to say you know let's see let's see stanhouse do it we know he's pretty aggressive overall in his career this is a, a track where if he's feeling it kind of bully some people and say i know what i'm doing you don't plus 100 at least at least i see that better um, as the week opens up to some other books here. So Stenhouse, the first guy I'm calling out here is a got to watch for the top 10. Now we're really getting frisky. All right. Really getting out of control of guys to sort of pay attention to. This next guy, we took him last week. It was close. Didn't pay out, but it's Ryan Priest again. We're going to go back to this well. This is a flyer. I get it. Sorry. You can hit the fast forward or speed me up here. Um, if you hate this, but Stuart Haas showed some speed last year in this 41 car. They won the pole. They won the heat races and, and started first. So there's something to be said about that. The team has some notes here. This was the next gen car that they were able to do that in. And they'll be able to kind of go back to the well here a little bit. And Ryan Priest might just be a, a driver to help them do that again. You know, it's just he, along with the other Stuart Haas drivers, like have performed decent, um, excuse me, not Priest, but talking about the last couple of years, Custer and the, the other Stuart Haas drivers have performed well in the race. They just haven't gotten the finishes. So the finishes are obviously what matter. So the, the point of calling him out here, he's plus 200 to finish in the top 10 on Caesars could be way better. And he's 80 to one to win the race. I mean, that's a little sprinkle here. I think because he has the ability on these short tracks to stand out a little bit. I mean, if you're looking at his situation where, you know, his season isn't really going well, the short tracks have kind of been, if there's a bright spot in his season so far as a, you know, rookie almost coming back in with this next gen car, then I guess it would be the short tracks. Now, last week he was performing well, ended up kind of getting boxed out towards the end and finished 18th. Uh, But he was up there, and and he was up there a bunch. So this is a long shot that, you know, you might bail on it if he really doesn't look good coming off the truck and practicing the heats. 
things like that. But um, from what we saw last year, you know, Stuart Haas definitely has the ability to put together a decent car on these tracks to get themselves up there. Priest seems capable. I mean, I don't, I hate going back to the clash, but um, he looked very good on that little bull ring. And, you know, I can't wait to see that come to fruition in an actual NASCAR race, a points paying race. So uh, if it happens here this weekend, you know, let's see it. I think this could uh, be a good number to have, especially if this race gets chaotic, right? This is a bet where if things start to get out of control, you got the big dogs getting knocked out because they're just wrecking each other up front. Here's someone who has the ability to come on up and uh, steal a spot from someone maybe in the top 10. So Priest plus 200, shop it around, get better there. And 80 to one, a little sprinkle to win the race. The last guy I'll call out for a top 10, he's only got one this year, but it came last weekend. So he's coming off a, a bit of a hot streak, I guess, or not a streak, but, you know, momentum. Big Mo is coming his way, and it's Michael McDowell, Eminem is plus 250 on Caesars to finish in the top 10. It's a super long shot, worse than Priest. Um, the funny thing is McDowell has better odds to win the race than, or excuse me, he's shorter odds to win the race than Priest, but he's got longer odds in this top 10. So that's why it's best to shop it around here. And, you know, he has shown strength at this track. I mean, First of all, I mentioned, you know, coming off of a really good race last weekend, they took a shot, it paid off, and they really needed to because they hadn't had a top 10 all year. That's not a driver that you typically see that from. He usually snags something, especially with the super speedways now more so on the schedule, and he just hasn't had it going on. But he took a shot, it worked out, they got the Hail Mary caution, and now he scores his first top 10 of the year. And I think that's something they can build off of here in two races. Michael McDowell at the dirt track at Bristol, 12th and 9th. I mean, that's pretty damn consistent. That's an average that's good enough for six, 10.5. I mean, he's right there, man, right there. So this is not a flashy type of bet. He doesn't have a lot of laps led or none, actually. Doesn't have any fastest laps. He's just avoiding the chaos. And it's funny because that's kind of what you would say is his strength on the super speedways is he just stays alive. So he has proven that in two races, he's going to hover around that top 10 area. And at plus 250, that seems like something that's interesting to me. So I'm going to be watching that. Michael McDowell, plus 250, that's for sure. And uh, the last thing I'll just throw out there, Ty Dillon. Uh, I know people make fun of me. Because there are certain races where I'm like, yeah, Ty Dillon, uh, he, he's he's somebody. And this year has just been dismal for Ty, even though he made it to the uh, semifinals of Karch Madness. The dirt track, he finished 10th and 26th. He was 6th in green flag speed last year in 2022. Uh, so Ty Dillon, that was in the 42 car. So that could mean two things. One, maybe Noah Gregson has some speed this week in that 42 car. I don't know Noah Gregson's dirt track prowess, but... If Ty Dillon can show a little bit of speed there, maybe Gregson has something to watch out for. The other thing is maybe just Dillon is a good dirt track racer and can whip it around on that different surface. So 10th and 26th, um, his top 10 is just astronomical. I didn't even write it down. His you know, other stats or excuse me, other odds to win the race and top five, just like out of control. So I don't think uh, a win is in the future for old Ty Dillon, but 
Maybe, you know, have a, a few on Saturday night. Uh, I could be convinced to toss a little something on the top 10. That's just a, a crazy man talking right there. But I uh, just wanted to throw that out there because you don't typically see, I talk about wonky drivers scoring top 10s like he's one of them. So um, keep your eyes peeled for these types of drivers. So that's going to wrap it up here for the finishing position segment. Trex Jr. is going to be aggressive. Denny Hamlin out front. Aggressive goes around. All right, we're going to wrap things up this week with the head-to-head section, and this was a situation where uh, Caesars dropped some head-to-head matchups and perused through them. Just wanted to see if anything stood out, you know, because like I said, remember the strategy this week. Don't go crazy on this, you know, especially early in the week. We want to take our time and, and make picks that make a lot of sense. So I'll work my way up to the one that I really like the most. Um, so I'll start here written down. I've got a, a matchup here that definitely surprised me, but I like it for two reasons. It's Ryan Blaney minus 115 over Denny Hamlin. So they're going off basically even odds right now, both minus 115. And there are two reasons why this one stood out to me. First, Blaney was one of three drivers who scored a top 10 finish on both dirt races. He has an eighth place finish and a fifth place finish. So that average 6.5 is good enough for third in NASCAR at the dirt track, which is interesting. He's got the sixth best driver rating on those two races, and he's sixth in the true performance rank as well. Last season, he was 10th in green flag speed. And there are certain guys, when you rewatch the race, even the extended highlights, you can just find that there are certain guys that just didn't go away. Like they, you couldn't, you couldn't just get rid of them, right? They were just a pest in that top 10 for a lot of the time. And, you know, he was one of those guys. He started 25th last year, and by mid-race, he was up to 11th, and he finished 5th. Like, that's a solid damn race. 2021, he started 3rd, he finished 8th. So, you know, he muddled around the back a little bit um, for parts of that race. But the end of the day, he got that top 10 finish. So pretty consistent, and and we preach every week with these head-to-heads, we just want consistent drivers, things that we can kind of hang our hat on to say, hey, that's consistent. Now, in two races, can you call that consistent? We could argue that. But when you look at the flip side of this, I don't see consistency. Denny Hamlin, you know, so I said there were two reasons why I liked it. One was, I guess, uh, the overarching comment of consistency with Ryan Blaney. The second reason why I like it is Hamlin confuses me here. Um, He was strong in 2021. Finished third, you know, had a shot, I guess you could say, but uh, he had a strong race. Last year, they were just completely out to lunch, like completely gone. They wrecked early, but they never even made it into the top 15. They never once cracked it. So he was just stuck, like didn't have anything for the track. The Didn't qualify well, didn't make it through the heat race as well, clearly couldn't pass anyone and, you know, when you're stuck on dirt, you know, if you're stuck, you can't pass anyone, you're fucked. Like, that's stuck, you're fucked. That's that's kind of the uh, the soundbite, I guess. But that's what he was. And so, inconsistent. The other thing is, on his podcast this week, if you listen to the very start of it, he makes a comment or two just like kind of, oh, yeah, we got Bristol on dirt this week, whatever. And later in the episode, his little producer tried to, like, gloss over that and say, like, oh, you know, you really didn't mean that, right? And, like, he definitely, like, talks it up and, and whatever. But 
Um, still, you know, his comments after that really didn't give me any reason to want to go throw a bunch of money down on him. And that's big, I think. Like, anytime you hear a driver kind of be like, oh, you know, don't really like that track or whatever. I think he was trying to play it off as if he said, like, I don't like how we're doing dirt at Bristol. That's really how he kind of covered it up. But um, I'm not saying, like, that's the sole reason why I'm taking Blaney over Hamlin here. I just it's a little little nudge, you know, a little thing that's out there. If that's a hint of something that's in his mind, uh, then I, I don't want any parts of him and, unless he goes out and blows people's doors away. Early in the week, you know, if he or in the race, he, he's crushing it and he is able to move it through. He's not stuck in the back where, you know, things kind of go crazy. Then uh, maybe you take him live. But for this matchup right now, this one stuck out because of Blaney's consistency, you know, being in that top 10, Hamlin just not showing up on any metric whatsoever. So uh, I like Blaney, minus 115 in this matchup. Next head to head that I'm going to call out here, like it a little bit better. Right, so we're getting warmer, and this is one that is interesting because these two guys, I mean, they have not had a good year so far. We're talking about Austin Dillon and Bubba Wallace. I'm taking Austin Dillon in this matchup. He's minus 120. Bubba is minus 110. Now, this is funny because these are two guys who have not had good finishes at this track. Both won the Eldora Truck Race, respectively. And both suck this year. So, I mean, it's almost like this is a backmarker play. This year, head-to-head, for what it's worth, uh, Bubba has a 4-3 advantage in the season head-to-head series. But they've been running in the back this year. I mean, if you look at their 2023 average finish, it's 22.0 to 23.3. That is not what I would expect from Austin Dillon, and Bubba Wallace. I think there's some expectations on both those guys that they're performing at a playoff caliber. And maybe it's just taken a little bit of a while to come through a little bit, but uh, that's not what you would expect to see from the three and the 23. Now, two races at Bristol, it's the same thing, man. Neither has had a top 20. Austin Dillon has a slight, slight advantage on the average finish in the two races, 26.0 to 27.5. Like, man, these guys aren't getting it done. The thing is, if you're looking for an edge, there's something you can find. Austin Dillon last year was running very well. The result that he got was not indicative to the race that he had. He ran 99.5% of the races, percent of the laps that he was on the track in the top 15. So he was up there. His driver rating was 84. That's in the mix for, uh, you know, top 10 in that stat. And his green flag speed was first, better than everyone. Bubba is the total opposite. So we don't have anything at the Bristol Dirt Race to say, like, hey, Bubba performed well here, you know, and this is why, like we just did with Dylan. Bubba was the total opposite, running in the back most of the race, Shit driver rating. Just can't compare. So next-gen car, Austin Dillon clearly showed something. We talked about how he has a little bit of experience dirt racing from time to time in the offseason. You know, Austin Dillon, minus 120, if he can capture a little bit more of what he had last year and apply it to this race, clearly they have the the notes to, to go off of Bubba. I mean, these guys are going back to the drawing board. 
because they, they have had nothing uh, in his career at this dirt track. So Dylan over Wallace, what I'm going with here, minus 120. The last head-to-head is the one that I like the most, and I will play this one early in the week. It's Joey Logano over William Byron. And Joey, looking at the stats, like putting everything down and just popping off the page, saying, how am I going to do something with, with Joey here? Um, don't know if I like him to win the race again, right? Because these other guys, he won at a perfect time. He won it first, uh, the first time they came here. Now you're giving these dirt guys like a little bit more of a chance to, to get a book on it and um, have experience on it. They're going to figure it out eventually. So I don't know if I like him to win the race here again, but I needed something on him. His odds uh, more so for like the top five, top 10. That's something that I'm more interested in. But the head to head, at minus 115, I think you're getting him at a better number than, you know, a top 10 finish and just got to beat one guy. That's William Byron. He won 2021, like I mentioned, and he finished second last year. So he's the only driver to finish top five in both races. Now, I'm not saying he's going to do that again, right? Not saying that he needs to finish first or second or even top five. But if you're rewatching the race, he's just never out of it. He's kind of like what we're saying about Blaney. He's just always there pecking away in that top five, top 10 area. And that is something that I want to bet on, right? 10th in green flag speed. His lowest position in the race last year was 12th. In 2021, his lowest position in the race was 11th. There's not another driver in the field that can say that. They were top 15, 100% of both races. What does that mean? Consistency. So that's why I like Joey Logano in this matchup. Byron, not consistent. He was six in 2021, the race that Logano beat him, uh, won the race rather, and then 35th last year, very inconsistent. Nothing that you can kind of pull at with Byron's race last year and say like, well, you know, maybe something just kind of went wrong and here's this metric that, you know, he performed well at really doesn't show up for William Byron. So I like Joey in this head to head matchup. I also think that if they actually are racing around each other and, and they are kind of battling towards the front, maybe like they both have wins this season. Like they're going to send it, they're going to go for it. Nothing to lose here on this dirt track. So, uh, but I don't anticipate that. I know Byron's having a decent year this year. I'm happy because I got him to win the championship early in the year. But I know that he's got the momentum of the, the full season in his favor. But this is a different beast. you know. So I like Logano, as I mentioned, is my, my favorite of the three head-to-head matchups that we called out this week. So minus 115 for him. Dylan. Minus 120 over Bubba Wallace and Ryan Blaney minus 115 over Denny Hamlin. Those are the plays that I'm calling out early in the week this week for the Bristol Dirt Race. So before we end it, we just want to get a couple of little news and notes here because I forgot something earlier when I was talking about the outright section. I wanted to call out the driver that I was taking in the toolhangers.com one and done pool. So I know there are definitely people out there who play in these types of pools where you take one driver each week, then you can't use them anymore. We have a a good pool going here and Speedway Steve, Phil from Speedway Steve 2 is in the lead in our one and done pool. So I'm going to need to get some points at some point in the next few months here. 
uh, to try to claw myself back up. So um, real quick, toolhangers.com, you know, if you've been listening to this show, you definitely heard me talk about um, Jordan from Toolhangers. Great dude partnering up with us again to sponsor that one-and-done pool, and they customize in tool hangers for storing, organizing, and displaying on pegboard tool walls from circular saws, drills, batteries, cords, garden tools, hand tools, and more. They're going to have something to fit your needs for hanging tools on the wall. So give them a look, toolhangerswithaz.com. And the pool this week, I wanted to say this earlier, but I totally spaced on it. I'm going with Chase Briscoe, man. I know that he hasn't gotten the finishes, and you know if he does exactly what he did last year again, that would hurt me. But I think that he's a, a solid driver. He, he checks all the boxes. Chase Briscoe, also, when you're doing these types of pools, you got to think, well, is this a driver that I would use elsewhere? And my answer to that, no. I mean, I, I think I'm fine using him here because if it wasn't at Phoenix, you know, maybe Richmond – but uh, we, we have the drivers reset for the playoffs anyway. So, you know, if I want to use him in the playoffs at one of those short tracks, I can do that. So going with Chase Briscoe on the dirt track, I'd imagine I'm not going to be the only one that does that. And if you play him as well in your pool and people are paying attention, you might see some repeats there. But I don't care. I just need some points right now. And I need to claw away here at Speedway Steve. So, um Going with him in that one. Now, trucks are under the lights again this week on Saturday night on dirt. And we got to give the trucks their due, right? So give us a listen on the NASCAR Betting Preview Show podcast. Um, you can get that Apple, Spotify, just where you, anywhere you listen to pods, just like this. And been doing that with Derek Yoder. We haven't locked down a date or anything like that yet to do that. But I hope we can keep that streak alive to you know dig in and get the trucks some uh, time to shine. Because... They were the ones that started this stuff in NASCAR and the dirt racing, playing at Eldora. And so, you know, got to dig in and find what the good plays are there. So if you want to hear anything that we talk about there for the bets on the trucks this week, give us a look there this week. So uh, that will do it for another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Thanks again for listening to me rant for this last hour on the solo episode. Hope to have some guests here coming up in uh, these next few weeks. But uh, appreciate you listening. Let's win some money. Let's bounce back here. Don't go too crazy. And uh, hope everyone has a happy Easter this Sunday and win some money in the process. Remember, drive fast, take chances. And we'll see you next week from Martinsville. No place to go. Hell no place to go. Hell no place to go. Hell no place to go.